0: podcast where we talk about books this is a special mother's day edition of the podcast where i invited another book loving mom and her teenager to sit down with me and my teenager to talk about books that we've read together and books that we love martha musica is a writer editor and communicator her son nick Guju is a level two high school student who loves star wars doctor who and good books and my daughter emma cole is also a level two student who is an avid reader and writer? And we had a great discussion about books that we've enjoyed. Welcome to Shelf Esteem, the podcast. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Books. Books, books yeah. Books.
1: How much we love them.
0: How much we love them. And we have here um, a mother and son pair and a mother and daughter pair, uh, me and Emma and Martha and Nick. And uh, I guess some of what we're going to be talking about is books that we've read together with, uh, you know, with, with our kids and with our parents as, uh, as growing up, right? hmm Yeah. Okay, so let's jump in with um, one of the questions I of here is what have you read lately that you've really enjoyed?
1: Um, there's a book that I really like. Uh, and I often reread because uh, it brings me to a different place. Uh-huh. It's a book that I read for reviewing purposes at the Sunday Express many years ago and uh-huh. it's called First Light and okay. it's by Carol Obiso. never heard and of it. And she was a museum curator mm-hmm. who worked with Maori people in New Zealand mm-hmm. to bring a big exhibition to North America, particularly in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I loved how she told her story of changing her approach to her work uh-huh. and also in working with people who were not of her culture. So looking at indigenous people and the Maori people and their artifacts. Uh-huh. Uh And uh, I try and read it every couple of years because it's something that still speaks to me and it helped me change my thinking a little about... Uh, how I approach my work and why we need to do things differently and how sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zones and be open to learning and to being taught about new ways of doing things.
0: Do you find when you reread the same book, like if you have a book like that, that you've reread over and over throughout your life, do you find it's different when you read it at different times? Like do you get something different out
1: of it than you did, say, the first time you read it? Or In this case, yes, there's always something new that I find in the book that yeah. has a particular Uh, relevance uh, or echo in Uh the kind of work that I'm doing now. So um, I think that uh, some people don't like to reread books because they think it's the same old thing, but this particular book, because it's about uh, transformation and it's about looking at how artifacts have meaning, Mm -hmm. Um, not just in the sense of this is what it means so that you can understand it and place it in a particular context, Uh, But it has meaning because for Maori, the artifacts were their ancestors Mm -hmm. and uh, they had to be treated in a certain way with respect and dignity, uh, which is not often how we look at pieces of our past. Right, Um, right. And it's not often the way that uh, perhaps those of us who are white and understanding our colonial Mm -hmm. uh, roots can appreciate uh, what we've been doing to indigenous peoples uh, in North America.
0: That's really interesting. What else? What, what have you been reading?
2: Uh, I just finished um, reading um, Hagseed by Margaret Atwood. Oh. It's part of the uh, Hogarth Press uh, Shakespeare series where a bunch of Canadian authors are redoing and retelling Shakespeare books. And... I think it says, says something about the power of Margaret Atwood. That this is sort of the only book, but in this series, that I've actually like seen widely published, especially I have chapters here. Uh-huh. Um, yes, it's a so it's Margaret Atwood doing the Tempest, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: as those who've read The Tempest probably get from the title Seed*, And it focuses heavily on it being in the modern day, uh, set between uh, 2001 uh, to 2013. And it's very close to the novel, only in that it is about a theater uh, professional who puts on The Tempest in a prison. And Um. it's a very interesting look at, first of all, the modern prison system, as well as the themes of The Tempest, because even though... What we consider the actual tempest doesn't really start until actually until there's only about a hundred pages left. Uh-huh. It still is a really uh, fascinating and intriguing read, and I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep without trying to finish it. Oh, that's and, neat. Yeah,
1: I've
0: actually read one in that series too. I read uh, Anne Tyler's Vinegar Girl, which is a take on The Taming of the Shrew, uh, which is sounds much lighter than Hagseed, But then if it's not written by Margaret Atwood, it probably would be much lighter. <laughs> But uh, but it's such an interesting idea, taking the Shakespeare stories and setting them in, in a modern context. So that one has sort of been on my radar as, as one to look out for. What about you? Emma? What have you read lately? Uh, the last
3: book I read is not nearly as serious as either of those. That's okay. Um, it was a YA book called The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You, Uh huh. I think, which is uh, a young adult novel about romance, believe it or not. <laughs> and that one's actually okay. loosely based on Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, I think and I mainly read it because it had a lot of Doctor Who references (laughs) in it. Was the main reason. But it is kind of interesting that that, too, was loosely yeah. based on a, on a Shakespeare. Yeah. It's
0: amazing how Shakespeare's plots keep getting recycled. And I only oh. learned about that because,
3: actually, one of the, like, the quotes that they have on the back of the book of people saying why it's good mentioned that. Like, it's not mentioned in the description of the book or anywhere else. It was because a quote on the back of the book oh, said that it was okay. much ado about nothing. But you'd have so, to know much ado about nothing, yes, probably. which I don't, so that. I
0: yeah. didn't recognize it. Yeah.
3: Well,
1: I'm going to have to put that on my list, because that is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I love the comedies. I like Shakespeare's comedies. They're, 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 I mean, because I teach high school and I teach high school English, you know, like I'm doing Macbeth over and over and over again, and it's just... Doom and stabbing and destruction all the time, so it's uh, it's it's nice to get the lighter sh- side of Shakespeare. And
2: we'll point out that *Hagseed*, you know, as we said by Margaret Atwood, it is significantly darker than the actual uh, *Tempest*, which wow. is which is one of his comedies. Yes, yeah, it's, Although it, it
0: has dar- a dark side. I, I, I think of it as one of his darker comedies. It, and it's yeah. it's
2: much darker and it's barely a comedy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. that Margaret Atwood doesn't do a lot of light, fluffy stuff. Um, what about? Uh, a book that's had a big influence on you.
2: So, um, while we're talking about um, YA novels, um, I do have to say this one is different than other YA novels, um, especially if you look back on stuff like The Hunger Games and, oh, Divergent, all these stuff. This is a much different because it's sort of flown under the radar compared to those. It's uh, the Percy Jackson series. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> this is, it's a good series because while other um I read it when I was a kid and Although people who are fans of series would think this is blasphemy, I did get into it because of the movie, only because I saw a movie poster <laughs> for it and I wondered, what's this? And it was a book series, so I read it and I thought it was amazing. Uh-huh. And it's interesting because while most YA stuff is like, yeah, you can choose your own destiny, you can do what you like, this is really, it is the closest thing to a modern Greek myth you will find because they are basically bound by fate and it's inescapable. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Percy Jackson is a series that can't start in 2005 and actually still going to this day-ish. And it's by Rick Ryden. And he, because he started telling his sons about, you know, Greek myths. And all these Greek myths that eventually ran out. So he created the series of modern Greek myths. So it's, for anyone who knows, like, the series, uh, Gods Behaving Badly or American Gods, it's in that vein of modern day plus... Greek gods, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's basically they have their own kids, and well, it's the some it's they all go to this summer camp, which is less of a summer camp and more of a wayward home, <laughs> because these kids all are hunted by monsters, because that's what their na- that's what their fate is tragedy, right, yeah, and it's a really interesting read, especially because Rick Riordan's uh, son had ADHD, uh, attention deficit, and deficit disorder. And so Main Hero and actually several of the demigods on it have this condition because and it's seen as a positive thing. Um, this inability to focus is actually because they have heightened battle awareness.
0: Right. In combat. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think it's actually it's a really interesting series, especially if you want a sort of positive outlook on mental health and you really are looking for something different other than other, you know, young adult novels.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I Emma, mean, you were a pretty big Percy Jackson fan oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did you like about them? Uh I just thought it was real cool.
3: Um, Also, the, like, the not-quite-main-character, but almost, Annabeth, is, like, my favorite person ever. Uh Uh-huh. She's great, and I love how, like, I now know things about Greek mythology from these series. Like, um, the other day, I was in class, and my teacher, who always just tries to quiz us on random things that nobody knows anything about, had, like, a picture of... Um, a god with like two heads and was, or two faces and was like, does anyone know who this is? Expecting nobody to know the answer. And I was like, that's Janus. <laughs> because we come back after the new year and Janus Jan- is January. Right. That was how it yeah. loosely connected. But I know that and that's why I thought that was cool. And then he also went on to do the Cain um, uh, Chronicles about the Egyptian gods and then introduced Roman gods into the Percy Jackson universe which that was awesome. That series, Heroes of Olympus was also really good. <laughs> and then he did the Norse gods one, which I didn't like as much. I didn't even finish the first book, but it was cool.
2: <laughs> the reason I said ish is because all these book series are connected. Like, yes, the Kane yes. Chronicles have had a crossover short story with Percy Jackson, yeah, mm-hmm. They've had a and, few, the, and the Roman Gods is a continuation of Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I think Percy Jackson is in a another series with Apollo in it. And, yeah, I just
3: finished reading that one. Actually, yeah. that one was actually way better than I was expecting because I read. Um, Whatever the first one of the Norse gods one is called, Magnus, Magnus Chase. Chase, yeah, the something or other. I feel like it's <laughs> yeah. Sword of summer, but that might be the one. Sort of after summer. This. No, and I think yeah. it is the sort
1: of
2: summer. Sword of summer is the second oh, book, okay. no, first well, book. It's it's Hammer Thor or something. Yeah, whatever whatever what the first book is yeah.
3: called. Um, and so I didn't like that one as much, so I didn't finish it. But then I read um the Trials of Apollo, and that one I actually really really enjoyed, okay. which was good because it had Apollo um who had been turned into a human, but unlike the times that's happened before in like. Actual Greek mythology. He's like completely human and has like no godly powers whatsoever, and has no memory of like why that happened to him. So mm-hmm. he's like trying to. He goes to camp Half Blood to try and figure out like why that happened, and okay. you know. Chaos. I think there's
0: a point at which I I had been reading these along with Emma, and we had times about, about this, guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was a point at which I kind of stopped and and got out of them, and haven't read the more recent ones. Uh, I did. I think I read all the Percy Jackson and I read the Cain Chronicles. Yeah, because I really liked the Egyptian mythology. I thought yes. that was
1: really cool. I just read the Percy Jackson uh, books uh-huh. because at the time, whatever chapter books Nicholas was reading, mm-hmm. I read them too. Right. Uh, yeah. Not because I wanted to uh, stop him from reading anything, but I was curious as yeah, to yeah. what piqued uh, yeah. his interest. And uh you know, I read the first one, and I thought, "Oh, this is kind of cool. I had read other books that I did not like,, uh-huh. uh, and you know, I could barely look at the second and third, you yeah, know, so sort I kind of kinda yeah. did a little skim um of the other authors but i this series appealed to me because it intrigued me that the author who writes mysteries uh for adults yeah. who wrote this very popular young adult series, and i initially thought, oh, is this going to be one of those, you know, insert issue, yes,
0: uh, yeah. and then
1: it kind of do a little patchwork around it. But the uh, way that he did it was quite clever, and yeah. it was logical, and it was very positive, and uh, identified, I think, for many people who perhaps had certain ideas or beliefs, um, about these behaviors as negative and not seeing ha- how it could be more a clash of yeah, culture yeah, between d- neurotypical and atypical yeah. uh, brain functions. Uh, so I really liked that series yeah. and it was markedly different from the series that I read as a teen yeah, uh, yeah. that I found very uh, interesting and influential, uh, and that was the Anna Green Gable series.
0: Oh, yes. And yeah.
1: I was a latecomer to Anne, uh-huh. uh, but then when I read the first one i plowed through the entire uh collection and uh-huh. then went on to the emily books and
0: yes yeah so. yeah i too read those growing up and i think that was uh that was almost like a uh, a rite of passage of canadian girlhood at a certain point absolutely <laughs> yeah what about you emma is there a series or book that stands out as like i don't know Satan had an influence on you is is I think Um, it's hard to identify, but maybe left a
3: lingering impression. The only thing I can think of, there's probably something that I'm reading up, but the only thing I can think of is Paper Towns by John Green which is a good book in itself, but uh, a theme that's not even the major theme, but it's brought up a couple times, is um, imagining people complexly, and that their lives are not always like what they appear to be. Yeah. So, uh, because the whole thing is that there's this girl, Margot Ralph Spiegelman, who seems to be like this crazy person who lives this fantastic life, but really she's just like a normal person who has a lot of problems. Very cliche YA kind of a thing, I get that. Um, But the idea of uh, thinking of people as more than just what they say to you and just what you see that they have their own thoughts and their own problems to deal with is, uh, something that I really resonated with and that I feel like I need to, uh, uh, work on a little bit more in my life. Uh, especially cause there's this one scene where like the three friends are sort of talking and, um, I think two of them are talking about the other friend and one of them says something like, I don't bother getting mad about stuff that you guys are just doing because you're you. Like, when you do something and you act like an asshole, in my opinion, um, that's because, like, you're doing something that's normal for you, but just because I wouldn't do it doesn't mean it's wrong. So, mm-hmm. like, when someone reacts some way that, like, I think I wouldn't do, like, that's just how they react. And that's not them trying to be mean. That's just their life and how they see the world is different than how I do. Yeah. So that's
0: something. That's the only thing I can think of That's right a pretty now. big mm-hmm. thing, though. I mean, because that, that, that gets to, like, not judging people and recognizing that people are, mm-hmm. are, are different from one another. Yeah, and even, like, is. the little things that people do
3: that annoys you is, like, mm-hmm. they don't even think about that. Like, that's just how they live their lives. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's neat. What about... A character in a book that you identify
3: with we have something for that? When you said that question, the only thing that came to mind was Annabeth from Percy Jackson, actually. Yeah, why? Um, is it about Annabeth? Uh, because her whole thing was that she was uh, really smart, which makes me sound really narcissistic, but um, she was- <laughs> I she think like, it's okay to know that you're smart. Yeah, but she like valued being smart and thinking about things logically and thinking that like she could fix everything just by being smart. That's like her fatal flaw in the thing mm-hmm. in the whole book is that uh, she thinks she can fix everything herself. when mm-hmm. um, really, uh, through the book, she she learns that she needs to rely on more people and not just think that she has to do everything in her life herself. Yeah. Um, and I only was thinking of that because I had to write an English essay mm-hmm. about this, and that's also the first character that came to mind. So that's my go-to answer for that is Annabeth. It's a good one,
2: though. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Mom?
1: Well, you know, I was thinking, because initially I had also thought about, you know, I really like the character of Anne of, Anne of Green Gables. Yes. Yeah. I can't say that I've ever poisoned someone with liniment. <laughs> But you know, or made them drunk. They're still There's They're still time. they still, still time In my, my uh, advanced youth, let's say. Uh, but actually, in in really thinking about it, uh, to me, the characters that I most identify with are really strong women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of Morag and the Diviners. Yes, which is America a favorite Lawrence. novel
0: of mine. Yeah.
1: You know, I think of uh, the women in uh, Faye Weldon's book, Down Among the Women, and how mm-hmm. they overcame. Uh, challenges, mm-hmm. um, and particularly around sexism and attitudes around how women should behave mm-hmm. um, and what's expected, and then what happens when they don't behave in those ways and they cross the lines. To me, being able to see really strong female characters uh, is very appealing because uh-huh. I like to think of myself as a strong personality. Yes, um, and I also like reading not so much the are books about conflict. But books about how people make connections. so yeah. friendships between women. And uh, I'm thinking about the second book that we did of yours in Book Club. Oh, and uh, you know, I'm at that point now where I don't remember characters' names, <laughs> but I remember, you know, there was that conf- there was that close friendship, and then there was a the separation, and then it was the coming back together, that reconnection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how at different times in our lives, We have certain relationships and connections that help us, Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes perhaps we don't need them as much at other times. And but because we don't know how to make those separations, perhaps they become something different, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, trying to understand Mm -hmm. how that has an influence on your life uh, from the point of view of both strong women and also female friendship to me is very interesting.
0: Yeah, there's not to me, there's not enough novels celebrating friendship you know I mean there's like you were talking about YA all having romance yeah
3: I've Uh, I've been looking for a while now for a YA novel that's not centered around romance and it's
0: very difficult and not that there's anything wrong with you know obviously romance is a big driver of stories but friendships are so important and other kinds of relationships or anything anything
3: besides just one love story that would be great (laughs) to find anywhere yeah
2: So, um, when it comes to this question, um, I had a few like options to think about. Um, I was initially thinking of going with, you know, Percy Jackson surprise, (laughs) um, mostly because his whole character in the first book is basically, he has no idea, but the bare minimum of what's going on. And he's just trying to do his best. Yeah. Um, but then I started thinking, you know, more broadly, and eventually settled on Jon Snow from A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh yeah. And that's mostly because he is, it's it's unofficially, but he may be the saddest character in the whole series. But that that's not why I've liked him the most. <laughs> There's it, a lot
0: of competition for sad <laughs> characters in that series, but yeah. Oh,
2: he he he's up there. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's more in that he is, con- he is constantly put in situations that he doesn't want to be in just because of a choice he made along uh, you know early in the series and that was, you know, join the Night's Watch. And even then, just because he made that choice, he didn't really have a choice with that because it was his lot in life to just be always get the rude stares because he was a well, he's literally a bastard.
0: He is in the literal sense a bastard. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um so it's basically so he basically joined the Night's Watch and he um he just kind of thought this would be you know a fun way to live the rest of his life. He didn't expect that he would be put in all these situations, but he still, you know, puts on a brave face and rises to the occasion even to the point and always stays by his values. That's what I most admire about him is that he will stay by his values until He is literally... Oh, wait. No, I can't say that.
0: Spoilers. Oh, can't have spoilers?
2: Um, But he basically will stand for his beliefs, um, even when he is literally against the people who are unofficially his brothers. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I most smile about him. And when I mean he's the saddest character, this is all background. This is just before the book even starts. His mom dies, he's brought back, and he's hated by um, his father's wife. Yes. Can of start? Just because... He is a brother, and even though he has friendships with pretty much you know a lot of the other kids, mm-hmm. he is still hated um, in you know his home. Mm-hmm. So he has to leave, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's and he is—he's a very sad character, uh, but a very, very strong one as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so many uh, books—not just YA or fantasy, but you know, so many books turn on that. You know, the character who's misunderstood or, well, like you said, the Anne of Green Gables, you know, the orphan child who shows up where she's not wanted, where they literally... She was the wrong child. She was the wrong child, not the one they ordered. Uh, And and the person who goes on to build so much strength out of that. And I guess those kind of stories just resonate so much with people, you know, that we're all sort of, you know, I guess like to see ourselves to some degree in that role and imagine that maybe you can become the hero of your
1: own story. You can be the hero, but you can also have the humanity Mm -hmm. and understand that sometimes maybe the things you have to carry are not that easy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of later books how Anne remembers some of the deprivations of her childhood of growing up as an orphan um, and the happiness that she found Mm -hmm. when she went to Green Gables. Um, But she never lost sight so that she could remember and then create those spaces where children could feel wanted, Mm -hmm. even when they face their own challenges. So, you know, one of the things that I really like about Anne is that she is in some ways fairly realistic,
0: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. she's
1: not perfect, you know, she has a vile temper, she's very (laughs) impetuous. And outspoken, yeah. Sometimes she makes poor decisions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then other times she makes very thoughtful decisions, very considered decisions, Mm -hmm. like when she defers... Going to university yes, so yeah. that she can support uh, Marilla, yeah. and um, you know, seeing those thought processes without having a nice little wrapped up bow even her relationship wasn't without some bumps and uh, so you know that lack of perfection made her really human so yeah. it wasn't some kind of artificial um, even aspirational character it's not that I wanted to be in, but I recognized that she was human and fallible yeah. um, and so if we can forgive people for some of those you know, smaller errors, and mm-hmm. we can see the humanity. Well, why can't we see the humanity in ourselves?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, characters with flaws are always more interesting. You know, they're, oh, absolutely. They're, they're not really believable unless, they, uh, unless they're unless they flawed in some way. Um, I want to go back to something you were saying about when we were talking about the Percy Jackson series and about the idea of, uh, like, what series or books... Did you? what are some of the others that you guys read together? Because I know we did a lot of that when Emma and Chris were gro- growing up reading the same books you were reading and even reading some of them out loud. What are some of the other ones that were Just, big ones in your family?
2: When I was small, my dad would always try to get me to read and out of pure spite, i try not to read those <laughs> books. Uh-huh. And I will never let him know that he was right when he offered <laughs> me Harry Potter.
0: Oh, really?
2: I will, never, I will never, you know, tell him that he was right because he gave me the book and you know, him and I read the first chapter, and I was like, all right, you know, I'm not gonna read, and you know, I'm not just gonna read the second chapter. So I read it, and I kept reading, and reading, and that's like, and Nick, is, is, are you still awake? And it was around like 10 o'clock at night. I remember this is like when I was five, so that's like. Oh, wow, you read yeah. quite early. What was it, five? I can't remember. Uh, it would have been. It would have been before two thousand and seven. I remember going to Yeah, Because I remember
1: going. Yeah, this, I, remember going I remember
2: going to this bookstore. There used to be this old bookstore that was. Um, it was downtown. I remember that. I think it was near. It was definitely near the um town hall. And oh, the, was that
1: Granny? Bates? Granny Bates. Yeah, it was yes. Granny Bates. I Great remember going there for. That we used to have. <laughs> and,
2: and I remember going there for uh, the uh, seventh book in the series coming out.
0: Right, yeah. Now, I think you didn't start reading them till after they'd all come out. No, right? I'm pretty sure I'd seen
3: at least the first movie before I read it. Right, yeah. Because um, cause my older brother had like read the books and then got on to watch the movies, or yes, whatever yeah. was available. So I'd watch the movies when he did and then decided then, to read, then the you read the books. I think after. that's what happened with Percy Jackson as well. Chris had already read it uh-huh. and then the first movie came out and then I watched that whenever right. it came out on DVD and then
0: decided to read it. So I got into all these series like really late. I remember you guys kind of growing into, uh, into Harry Potter and Chris reading them first. What I really remember is when Chris was reading the last Harry Potter book, which I had already read, um... He was still young enough that I would like go into the kids' rooms and kind of like tuck them in and say goodnight. And, and Chris was reading. I said. Can I read the end of the book out loud no to way. you? Because I wanted to read those last couple of chapters out loud. And then I always cry at the end of the forest chapter of, of the last Harry Potter book. And I started reading it and I just like, no, Mom can't do this. <laughs> Mom's crying.
1: <laughs> We're not going to talk about Mr. Dress Up in our oh, conversation I, about
2: our fo- my dad brought up, um, so it was on it was a twenty-two-minute sketch and it had like uh Casey from Mr. Dress Up in it. And so my dad started talking about the day, you know, it was the funeral of Mr. Dress-Up. Uh-huh. And now the actress, you know, came on, you know, national TV and, you know, brought little Casey and, oh. you know, little dog. And, you know, the dog whispered in the kid's ear and the kid, the kid, and for the kid was like asking, where's my friend, Mr. Dress-Up? And so, of course, That's the... That's so d- sad. And then, and then the Casey, like, says, oh, and she does this all in the voice. And she says... <laughs> Mr. He says, Mr. Dressed Up lives in our hearts.
0: Oh, oh, oh. I wish this was this video because you really want to see Martha's reaction at this point. <laughs> well, yesterday, you know, tears just
2: I, flowing. I've never ever watched Mr. Dressed Up and I was bawling. Yeah.
1: I have vague memories of oh, watching Mr. Oh, Mr. Dressed Up. An icon of my childhood. Oh, yeah. It was big when we were growing up. Yeah. My dad
2: was laughing the whole time while describing this. No,
0: I'm very sentimental. I cry at a lot of things. And (laughs) and the end of the Harry Potter book definitely always, always slays me, always gets me. But I... I don't remember. I don't think I read that out loud to you. I, I actually know. don't have any memories of reading the
3: Harry Potter books. I know I read them, but you don't remember. But I don't remember when like where.
0: when, like how
3: old I was or anything yeah. like that. Same with Percy Jackson. Like I just I have all the information yes. from the books, and I don't remember actually <sighs> reading them. Sad <laughs> thing
2: is I've lost the third and fourth book in the series. Like oh, no. so, I have read them. I definitely read them.
3: Mm. But you don't but have
2: I, I I just I just one two five. Mm. That's it.
3: Oh yeah, from Percy Jackson. We didn't have the second one for a while. I think I like loaned it to someone and it yeah, got lost. yeah, we were missing part of that set. So, yeah, a while. And we bought it again, and now that one looks newer than all the rest. Oh it's, yeah, it's annoying.
1: Did you guys used to do much reading aloud in your house? When we you? did. In fact, the first Harry Potter book, um, we did read aloud. Uh-huh and um the other uh, sort of what i would call extended series that we read aloud were the narnia series oh yeah we uh, we did we read
3: narnia out loud didn't we i think so i, think I rem- so. again i remember the movies more so than the books and then i and then right? i tried to go on and read like all the rest of them, like yeah. like the are there prequels? Do they come before? No, I don't, I'm not I'm not very clear uh, on the storyline. Yeah, yeah, and I tried to read them, and I think I just lost interest because there weren't. I hadn't seen the
0: movies already. <laughs> I had the one big. I had the one big yeah. book that had the seven Narnia books in it, and I remember reading that out loud. Yeah, and you also what read did? The Hobbit to us. Oh, I have such vivid memories. I
3: remember My that dad
2: always read. Really my dad read me The Hobbit. Yeah. I only. It's weird. I Didn't only. Did you try remember. to
3: sing all the songs?
2: <laughs> it's weird. I'm actually gonna. It's weird because my I only remember my dad just saying like the first few paragraphs like I remember him like vaguely read remembering it before I read it on my own but I I all I can remember of him reading it is just like you know this only solitary light in him describing what a Hobbit hole is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: He probably did try to sing it though.
0: Yeah, that's. It <laughs> I get full marks for having tried. Yes. Yeah, tried singing with voices, oh, different parts, oh.
3: you
2: know, and
0: making up tunes yeah, as you go along yes. to the Hobbit songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of them. I remember having the reaction when uh, when the movie of the Hobbit came out. Would the some the, the of the songs like that's not the right tune? That's not the
3: tune I made up. <laughs> I, I think I think the first thing you said to me after you saw the Hobbit movies was after like it came out of yeah. the theater, whatever was. There, there could have been more singing.
0: Yes, yeah, more dwarf <laughs> singing was
3: what yes. I felt. Also, the elves barely sing in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so in the movies, yes. in the books they they're sing a singing. lot
0: more, and yes. they're a
3: lot happier. They're generally cheerier elves. That's one thing I didn't realize until I actually tried to read the yeah. series. Yeah, the,
2: the movies were they're a bit they're a bit disappointing. Considering the Hobbit
0: or
3: the
2: Hobbit movies, considering yeah. the Lord of the Rings, but they came before it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yes. I think the Lord of the Rings movies are a great adaptation. The Hobbit movies are very. Disappointing. It
2: was last mm-hmm. minute with Peter yeah. Jackson.
0: And yeah. and trying to make three big blockbuster
1: yeah, movies out of just,
0: one short book, yeah, that was
3: but just... But the
1: dragon was good. Very well. The dragon
2: Benedict well, no, well, Cumberbatch. Yeah,
3: Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch as a dragon. That's amazing.
2: And what yeah. more do you want?
3: Right. <laughs> what, what do you want a dragon with the face of Benedict Cumberbatch that's, that's what we need when we see like the behind the scenes pictures of him doing the CGI oh, yeah. for that like the he motion capture he did the capture. face yes. like yeah. the dots on his why? face why there's
0: no need to do that there was but zero they, need maybe to do. he can't do the dragon voice unless he does the dragon face maybe. my
2: favorite thing is um they brought smog was a guest on Stephen Colbert oh really yeah like his um like his head bro- broke through and they had like like at the end of it he credited like all the animators oh, so it was my like goodness. so it was like whole two whole minutes of him speaking names uh, anyway and Vendikaraj said it and like he described the filming experience it's like oh you can barely see anything with the CGNs and it's like cuts to a photo and it's Smaug but with CG like motion capture dots on him and oh. on green screen <laughs> I spent it's hard to act when you're spending most of your time talking to a tennis ball yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's all the acting I pretty much did with um uh, and I'm not talking about Orlando Bloom <laughs>
0: uh, do you guys still read some of the same books?
2: I do, I usually reread The Hobbit every now and then. Actually, a few months ago, I was rereading, uh, actually, about a year ago, I was rereading um, Harry Potter, the whole Harry Potter series, and I got, after I finished, um, I found a friend who said that they'd never read them before. Oh my god. And I sincerely hope they're listening, <laughs> yeah. because this means I want my Harry Potter books back, finish them, and <laughs> give them back to me.
0: I have to make sure we have wide distribution for this
3: podcast, yeah. so my yes. friend will hear this. I almost never actually reread books like, yeah, all the way them. through. What I do is like, I get a certain scene like, stuck in my head, like you get a song stuck in your head, and then I have to find that book, read like, just that chapter, and then I'm good. Yeah. But it, there's
0: like, very few books that I've read multiple times, like beginning to end. There's a lot, there's, there's there's some books in my life that I have, that I come back to, and that I also like you were saying at the beginning of this book that you reread, uh, although it tends to be fiction with me. There's some nonfiction. there's a couple of memoirs, like Anne Lamott, that I'll reread a few times, but uh, for the most part it's fiction. They're novels that I want to go back to, and I think it's largely because you know, after you've read them enough times there's no more surprise in the plot but it's it's almost like going back to visit a place that you've Absolutely. been before. Absolutely. To me,
1: yeah. uh, I haven't done it for a while, so I probably do, um, is to reread Margaret yeah. Lawrence and yes. become yeah. reacquainted with Hagar and Morag um, yes. and all the other host of amazing, amazing characters that yeah. uh, Lawrence created. And uh, and I really enjoy reading and rereading the Peter Whimsy books. Yes. There are a few mystery yeah. novels that I will reread, but. Uh, the literary uh, nature of how Dorothy Sayers wrote. Um, And I have to say, while the mysteries are not um, as engaging, the new versions that Jill Payton Walsh has created uh, with Harriet and Peter uh, the tone is remarkably close to oh, yeah. Dorothy Sayers. I
0: do find them good. I don't find I, uh, to me in the language or the style or something, there's a little bit of uh, they don't quite capture the flavor of the. Fi- I don't think anybody could write like Dorothy no, Sayers, but Rose she's pretty Peter
1: close for these yeah. replica yeah, type yeah. books. Um, and, you know, I just sort of say, well, it's great to keep up on what Harriet yes, and Peter are doing. in And the mysteries there. But
0: Dorothy Sayers' Gaudy Night is, for me, the book that I keep going back to and rereading over and over. And to me, it's just like I get to go back and visit... Oxford in 1935 and visit Harriet and Peter and that whole world is is so vividly created there so yeah, I, I reread but only select books and certain yeah. favorites
3: yeah one book that I had to reread was We Were Liars oh yes have either of you guys read We, Are, we Were Liars I by E. Lockhart not. oh my gosh like it's mm. I don't even know how to put it in words, but it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life, and I remember because you read it before me. Yes, um, and I was—I remember very clearly. This was like a couple years ago. I was sitting on the couch. And you passed me the book and was like, here, you can read it now. And I sat down and, well, I was already sitting. And I started reading and I literally didn't get off the couch until I had finished the book. It's
0: a fairly short book. She wasn't there yeah, for no, days. Like, yeah, no, it's like,
3: but still it was so suspenseful the entire time. And then there's like a major plot twist towards the end. So I had to reread it again because there are clues that you don't get unless you've read it the first time.
1: Yeah. That's
3: yeah. a
0: really intense I think book. I read that one
1: twice I wrote for a same
3: whole reason. essay about that book that was the last thing I did in grade nine was you could write an essay about any book and I did like six pages on We Were Liars.
0: <sighs> Yeah that's it that's a great book. We were we were trying to think because we were talking about all the books that we'd read together as Emma was growing up and we're trying to think what we had read recently that we'd both enjoyed and there was certainly I forgot about that one but we also uh David Levithan's um Every Day. Yes. Oh, okay. you have you no, read any
3: David No. Oh, it's it's so really good, and Every Day is probably his most successful book, probably besides Will Grayson, Will Grayson, which he yeah. co-wrote with John Green, um, but it's weird because it's so different from what he normally writes, like, I don't know if you've read much more of David Levithan stuff. Than I've read a that. couple of others, but, but not But, like, not he's much got about. a lot of short, uh, a lot of books that are fairly short, and he's got a lot of short stories as well, um, but Every Day is, like, really, really different because it's, like, supernatural kind
0: of stuff as well. Um, yeah, it's kind it was, of, I have a hard time yeah. knowing how to describe it, because I want to say it's it's sci-fi, but it's not really. It's speculative. Really mundane fantasy, is yeah. how I would put it. Like, But it's it's high concept, because yeah. the concept is that this character... A. Yeah, mm-hmm. is... You better explain it. Okay, you can so, better than I so
3: can. A is like a consciousness... Basically a person without a body who every day wakes up in the body of some already existing person and like takes over their life for a day Um, So a has like kind of grown up because he like they know how old they are because of how old the body they inhabit is So like during the book uh, all the people that a's like all the people that a takes their lives over are like 16 so he, so they know that they're 16. Um, but then uh, he like falls in love with someone. I'm saying he and I shouldn't because um, A like wakes up in a different person's body regardless of gender. And that's one of the main themes in the book is that A falls in love with this person, with, with this girl, Rhiannon. Um, and one of her problems is that A doesn't have a gender and it's like sometimes a girl and this, sometimes a boy and that's like, A really big deal for her. Yeah. Um, But
0: A is more kind of like, I'm literally just a consciousness, it doesn't matter. Um, And it really, that book really got me thinking, you know, which I think is the way, like books that are fantasy or sci-fi or really, you know, high concept, that can, can get you thinking so much about everyday life. Because I remember right after reading Every Day, I was in a store and I saw a couple and the man had very, obvious he was ob- quite obviously a burn victim. Like, he had significant burn scarring on his face, and he was quite disfigured. And this woman was with him, and I was thinking, are they a couple? And I wonder, was she with him before whatever happened to him? And Did she stay with him afterwards, or did she fall in love with him while he looked like this, or are they even a couple? And I just think, like, how much does the outer the body, the way a person looks, even the gender, how much does that matter in your relationship with a person? So it was that book that totally got me triggered thinking about that. Yeah, because David
3: Levithan has written a lot of books. It's all, like, LGBTQ stuff, Um, and it's, for the most part, like, based in the real world, like, not fantasy stuff at all, but this was the first time he'd written something that was, like, exploring sort of gender fluidness, but in, like, a really supernatural sense rather than just actual gender fluidness. Um, and it was very interesting to read. And then there's a sequel to it as well, which is all from Rannon's perspective, which actually made me hate Rannon a little bit more than from the original <laughs> book, because hearing all her thoughts, just, she's the worst.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting, because I found these days, perhaps a lot of the uh, work, the young adult fiction, mm-hmm. seems uh, very dystopian. There's, in some, there's a huge trend to dystopia. Oh. I don't know, yeah, the Hunger yeah. Games, and which I found... Both disturbing and weirdly compelling. Yeah, um, and so I'm just sort of thinking of some of the stuff that I remember looking at uh, in early days at Monica Hughes, the keeper of the ISIS light. Okay, and and that's actually about a figure, a person who's identified as female, um, but who in fact we discover um, has adapted to her environment in this planet. Oh, okay, um, and. Um, in effect she doesn't realize that she's not like the others uh-huh. uh, and how this influences people's relationships <laughs> with her um, and how she starts to see the world it's fascinating um, and I think a lot of the stuff that Ursula K. Le Guin wrote oh, yeah, about yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, is is really interesting but the I do wonder and because you know, we both have the advantage of Emma and Nick here in terms <laughs> of the focus on dystopia um, you know i'm thinking like once you got into reading game of thrones i still have the book on my bureau says read me mm-hmm. uh, and i'll get to it eventually there's there's a lot of stuff um, yeah. but trying to make sense of the world when the world doesn't make sense
2: i took that back it's in my it's in my bedroom because you didn't want to read it
0: <laughs> <laughs> she will read it sometime i do she find will. it
2: a bit disappointing that most ya fiction I, again, I say most, not all, is either set in a school or set in dystopia, and I find <laughs> like how stereotypical can you get? Like, mm-hmm. like if you want, like a young adult isn't just a teenager. A young adult like goes from, um, you know, if you want to go from tweens all the way to you know early mid twenties, mm-hmm. that is a young adult. So the problem is is that if you want to use the broader term millennial. Well, then you just get a whole can of worms with that. And well, millennial doesn't really have a fiction, but it does with YA novels.
3: Oh my gosh, the most stereotypical YA novels ever are like Sarah Dessen novels, which you've heard of Sarah Dessen, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. The most generic, like. Um, I I tried to read one of her books and I got about three chapters in and I just could not because it's not like most YA like you said is like very generic like has is set in a school basically and then has these characters that are usually very cliche but this one particularly was like not even trying to be a good book. Like, it wasn't <laughs> trying to... These characters, you couldn't relate to them because they were just meant to be so stereotypical and fit into these certain niches that, like, it just felt like it was a book that had to be written instead of, like, you were trying to actually write something like it was creative. a formula Yeah, like it was a formula book. And, of yeah. course, Sarah Destin has, like, 20 novels like this. Yeah. Oh, dear.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, see, you know, one of the books that I want people to read this is actually a young adult book um, and it's set in a school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's Sherman Alexie's book, oh, The oh, Absolutely yes. True Diary of a Part-Time, part-time Indian. Indian. yes. You haven't oh, read that, have you I, I, I oh. learned about it and was intrigued by it because I read this news story, how this school had faced a community challenge from the school board and parents who were very upset at some of the language and some content in the book. And so it was withdrawn from the curriculum. And then one student actually wrote to the publisher and said, I want to give this book to people because I really like the book and I think everyone should read it. And so she had this event in a park and the publisher actually sent her a pile of books and someone reported her to the police. For giving away a book. For having this event yeah. where she was giving away books, some, some unauthorized. And I was fascinated by the idea that in the 21st century, there was a book that could prompt banning and then rebellion and then uh-huh. mass distribution and public uh, confusion. So I said, I have to read this book. Yes. And uh, I it
2: is borrowed the book from the to library. Offend, it is built to offend conservatives. Like, yeah. it is... It is pro- well, I don't See now no, I read it. it
1: and I was like, I don't
0: what can anybody find offensive? Oh, no, about I, mean, it? I don't
2: mean no. like it's literally no. built to convince her, but no. unintentionally. Like, I think from the first chapter from you're supposed to find this person who has this disability, you know, I can't remember what it was, but it has something to do with water in his brain. The first the idea that you're supposed to treat this person like a human being is normal is that that's that's just from the first chapter that would just send any conservative into a frenzy.
1: (laughs) Well you know what I really liked about the book and why I think everyone should read the book um, is that I found it a fairly realistic presentation of a young adult trying to find themselves. um, A person who had a young man who was living in challenging circumstances because of his uh, family, mm-hmm, uh, with his grandmother and his relationship with his sister, and um, the fact that he knew in the very core of his being that he was a person of value, yeah, and he understood the message that he needed education, and that he wasn't going to get it, yeah, um, as. Uh, an indigenous person in the reserve school because yes, of yeah. the systemic um, oppression. And so he persuades the school, the white school in the town um, that was uh, close to his reserve, to accept him. Mm-hmm. He can't get the bus, he has to walk. Yeah. And now he is this person straddling two worlds. Mm-hmm. He's not an adult, he's not a child. He lives on the reserve, but he goes to a white school. So hence the part-time Indian. Um, And there's some amazing insights in terms of how to be something you're not, and yet you are. And I just think that everyone should read it because, for me, that voice of the young person and the voice of a young indigenous person trying to make his way in the world and yet have all these barriers and how to overcome them Um, and not always successfully Mm -hmm. but always trying to figure out which way he has to go forward and still be true to his values.
0: Yeah. The other thing with that book is when you describe what it's about, like that, it sounds so heavy and it's such a funny book. Sherry Alexi is such a it's, funny it's, writer. It
2: is a hilarious comedy. and it is. is.
0: And yet, really deep yeah. themes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because, like I said, with YA novels, they are, you know, set in a school, but they're all based around romance. And romance is very small in this. Like, it is about love, but not in the way you think. Like yeah. It's, yeah. I highly recommend it if you're, I highly recommend it along with Percy Jackson, if you're looking for just something different in a YA novel.
0: Plus it has the drawings, the little bit. He's, he's oh, always yes. doodling and drawing cartoons and there's a, the drawings are replicated yeah. in, the, uh, yeah. in the book, which is great. Yeah, I love that one. Is there a book that you think everyone should read or you'd like other people to read?
2: Definitely. Um, this is one that I was found tough to read at first and that's because I didn't read it right. So if... You really want to read this book again. You really want to get the full enjoyment. Read it while on a road trip. No, don't read it while driving. <laughs> no. Like someone else driving. But like read it while you're on a road trip because it is the perfect road trip book and it's Neil Gaiman's 500-page uh, novel, American Gods. I brought it up before and it's like it's a lot like Percy Jackson for adults Yes, where it is yeah. basically uh, old gods which are, you know, not these Lovecraftian creatures but they're just people like Odin or... Um, uh a Nancy. Loki,
0: Loki's in it. Yes. Yeah.
2: Or Anansi. Yeah. And they're just people living their lives. They're significantly not as powerful anymore because hardly anyone believes in them. Right. But there are also these new gods. There's media. There are cars. There's cars. There's the embodiment of these new things that we essentially worship. Mm-hmm. And all these things are, it's, it's the main character it's this character called Shadow. And it's his, and he's just got out of prison. Mm-hmm. He's out of prison for beating up people, um, beating up his partners in crime from a heist because they stiffed him. Mm -hmm. And everything's going horrible for him. Like, he gets released early because... He's about to be released in a couple weeks, but he gets released early because his wife died in a car accident. And he finds out that his wife was also cheating on him. And so he is... And with the guy, cheating on him while in the car... With the guy who was going to hire him when he came out of prison, uh, as in they die And I'm not going to say, you know, I didn't, this is probably for all ages, but I'm not going to say what they were doing. Um, but they die, not, they died doing an appropriate action. So his life is going horrible. Uh-huh. Anyway, so he gets. Um, anyway, he get he's on a plane back, and so he ends up sitting next to this guy called um, now Mr. Wednesday. And Mr. Wednesday is a very peculiar person with this cream suit and this very unhappy smile, as he calls it. Um, And he basically hires him to be his personal chauffeur, bodyguard, Mm -hmm. errand runner... Basically, and you'll pay him like thousands of dollars. So Shadow signs up, and it's just ready to deal with it. And there's all this weirdness that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And event, and it's not like you know, this whole I didn't sign up for this man, all this stuff. It's not he's he just accepts it because he's just understood right now that his life is just in this so, sort of horrible place. What else could happen? Yeah. And it's basically um, you later find out, like in, the, in still in like sort of the not exponent not expositional part, but it's a little bit into the realization that he's actually the Mister Wednesday is Odin. Mm-hmm. And basically, so the whole story is an ex-con and Odin go on a big road trip across America to try and recruit these older, you know, these other old right. gods into fighting in this war to try and win against these modern gods. Mm-hmm. And it brings up, it's a very sad story in that it's sometimes you can get the person who's like, oh, like, he, like Mr. Wednesday casually mentions that um, in the 20s, Thor shot himself in the head. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what
1: made it appealing was it like a meta thing that it's a book about a road trip and you read it on a road trip?
2: No, because I got, I, I got, I got it uh, years before. Like I said, I tried to read it. And I, I first tried reading in a Sobeys parking lot. So um, that
0: wasn't the ideal.
2: Yeah, it wasn't the ideal. And, like, I love reading. And, like, usually I'll stay behind while they're in Sobeys and, like, read in the car. And I can, like, read for But I just couldn't get it right. And the second we went on this road trip with um, our few cousins who had just come over from Spain it just clicked in, and I was able to read this amazingly, and I'm also real excited for the TV show that's coming out.
0: Yes, it's being made into, now I read, I did read American Gods years ago, and did not love it, and I do like a lot of Neil Gaiman, so I may need to give it a second try because yes. of that, on, on your recommendation. Emma, do you have a book you think other people should read? Um, again, it's a YA novel, because that's all I read, but, um,
3: Uh, I'm always big on trying to get my friends to read books, and I've gotten to the point where the last two gifts I gave someone was like a stack of four books that I really loved and explanations as to why they need to read them. Which is such a great gift. Yeah, like I gave them, this is my opinion, read these books or don't, just know that you should. Um, uh, So one book that I really liked because it was a YA novel, but it was not about romance. It had a sort of bigger... Plot, but obviously there was a romance subplot because you can't have a young adult novel without that. Um, and it was Since You've Been Gone. By Morgan Matson, um, which I've been trying to get all of my friends to read, and nobody has done it yet. Um, but the main idea is that it, it switches back and forth between like the present day, and then I think it's the summer before, mm-hmm. and it's the story of these two friends. This girl um, who's lived in this like small town her whole life, and then this other girl who comes and moves into like the big mansion that's miles away, and like seems like she has this really extraordinary life. And they become like best friends for a year, and then she suddenly disappears, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, the friend gets a letter and it's a list of things that she should do like it's like steal something go skinny dipping like fall in love like this list of things to do over the summer and it's her trying to complete these things in order to like maybe find out where her friend went Uh and why and sort of be closer to her while she's gone wherever she is and it was really well done and it's really great and
0: Morgan Matson, I've read the rest of her books and they're also really good so with that book what I want to know without spoiling it does she find out at the end where her friend went? Yes, she does. Okay, because I hate it when a book sets up a mystery like that and you read, you know, even if it's no, not it's intended a, it's to a, be a mystery. it's a good, satisfying You're thing. pulled forward by, are we going to find out what happened to the person who disappeared or whatever, yeah. and then it's an ambiguous, open ending. It's like, no, I wanted to know. No, that, that's what, that's I, what I feel about yeah. The Stone
1: Diaries. Oh, oh, man, it's been so long since I, I read The Stone loved Diaries. I the first chapter. I, I sat down. And I was, Martha like, Athena. right into it, and I loved the characters, and I thought, this is going to be fabulous, because I really like Carol Shields, mm-hmm. particularly short stories. And then she got rid of my favorite character. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, Carol, Carol, <laughs> How Carol. could you do that? How? Why? No. Right. And then the rest no. of the book was about the most boring, insipid, <laughs> lackluster, colorless, limp personality. <laughs> and I thought, no, I want the book about the, the interesting person who you in killed. In chapter on.
0: one, right? I am so relieved to hear you say that about a highly regarded Canadian literary novel, because I have to confess that when I was saying that about the book that doesn't pay off, I was thinking of an otherwise great book, but Complicated Kindness by Miriam Taves. Mm. Like because it starts with her mother and sister having disappeared, and I read through the whole book and I realize it's not about that, it's not a mystery, it's about the impact it has on her and the community, but I thought there was going to be a payoff I thought we were going to find out what happened to them and I, was I like, want the PS yes, to give me a little happened.
1: epilogue or something oh,
0: yeah. anyway guys, it has been great, um, before I wrap it up is there any book that anyone wanted to talk about that for any reason we didn't get to
2: um,
1: oh, if you want a really good laugh and uh, really brilliant satiric insiders look at communications and politics read terry Fallis, the best laid plans oh yes i yeah. laughed that, out loud on the plane that and every time about uh, that. if i need a good pick me up because you know whatever crosses your news feed uh, (laughs) sit down curl up with Terry Fallis' book and you will have the best mood lifter ever
0: oh that's good I think we all need that
2: (laughs) so um this is a book that's um it's not technically a book it's a graphic novel and it's just come out so um I go to this thing every first Friday of the month called Breakdown Comic Book Jam at the Anna Templeton Center. Oh, yeah. And it's a great place for, you know, local artists and especially comic fans or cartoon fans to meet, draw, and just talk shop with each other. And if anyone is interested in cartoons, drawing comics, or just, you know, getting free food and good nerdy conversation, I highly recommend you go there. It's a great place.
0: That's um, Wallace Ryan, does yes, that, doesn't Wallace it? Yes, Wallace Ryan. Yeah, Wallace us. is great.
2: Anyway, um, anyway, so one of the people there, uh, Sam Johnston... Um, has done a series um, uh, not a series, he's done a book called The Tales*, and it's this little uh, comic um, with this very you know, this very uh, short style of drawing this very curt to the point style um, about punk rock and, uh-huh. and I, hi- I haven't read it yet and I can't wait to read it and this isn't like a program he hasn't paid me to say this but <laughs> I highly recommend because the art and the jokes are fantastic from what I've read and it's also amazing. And if we're on the topic of local comic artists, I will say also that, although this isn't recent, mm-hmm. um, this is from another person goes there, Paul Tucker. He's done this other series uh, called TED, which is, as anyone who, is, who has lived through the 60s can tell you, it's about the TED Offensive. Oh. And I haven't read it yet, or have I read a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Anna, but I really would also like to read that someday. That's cool.
0: Cool. Thanks so much, guys. Really enjoyed hearing everybody talk about books. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. you enjoyed this special edition of the Shelf Esteem podcast with Martha Musicka, Nick Guju Emma Cole and me, Trudy Morgan Cole. If you want to know any more about any of the books we discussed you can have a look at my website TrudyMorganCole.com. Click the Shelf Esteem button for a link to a blog post of all the books we've talked about. I'll be back again in a couple more weeks with a couple more great guests. In the meantime, read a good book and build your Shelf Esteem and Happy Mother's Day.